We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to the Picks for Pace podcast, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire podcast. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm here with my co-host, you say, Koshal, you said we are recording this episode on Wednesday, September 1st. We are in the month of September, so summer quickly coming to a close, but with that means the start of the NFL regular season coming forward here. So, you know, football season, it is right around the corner here. How are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited. I know college football kicks off this weekend, too. I mean, a couple games to are actually taking place as we record for a lot of the smaller schools. And then September is one of the most fun months of the year, just because football is officially back. There's a lot going on, which means there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of a lot to talk about, we have a lot to talk about today on our podcast today. And a lot of that has to start with the bears here and finishing up their preseason against the Tennessee Titans with a 27 to 24 win. Um, you know, it was an interesting game, you said. You know, I wasn't able to be able to quite watch the game live. But, uh, you know, looking back at the game and watching it a couple of times here, you know, some of the things that stood out to me, obviously, you know, this is the first time that we got to see the first team offensive line out there. They were out there for the entirety of the first half with Justin Fields getting his start uh, in this one. His first start it's an unofficial start because it's preseason but he got the start in this one I thought he played solid and obviously he had that one throw at, at the end of the second half there the two-minute drill um, where he threw that touchdown pass to Jesper Horstead that really put an explanation point on a pretty impressive preseason for him what were some of your general takeaways from not only his performance or just what you're seeing from this Bears team as a whole especially on that offensive side of the ball yeah, so Justin's performance is everything I expected it to be. I mean, when we talk about quarterbacks, and again, like Andrew mentioned, we're recording this on Wednesday, September 1st. So Ryan Pace kind of spoke to the media today around, I want to say, like 
three or four in the afternoon. One of the things that Pace basically said was like, hey, we just want to see steady incremental improvement from Justin Fields. And I thought that from the first preseason game to the second preseason game to the third preseason game, we did see a lot of that improvement. Now, is Justin a finished product? No, absolutely not. Is three preseason games a good enough sample size to kind of evaluate where he's at? Yes and no. And I'll tell you why. Yes, because he has some film that he can do some self-scouting that the coaching staff can look at and say, okay, this is where Justin excelled. This is where he needs to improve, but no, it's also not enough because he needs to continue to get live action reps, not just the mental reps, but the live action reps and the best form of those are going to come in the regular season when teams are kind of playing um, essentially just first string guys. Whereas compared to the preseason, you're going against second, third, fourth string guys. I mean, that's kind of what the second preseason game for Justin was when the Bills were in town. It was just going against some second, third, fourth string guys. And then you look at the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line had its ups and had its downs. I mean, Jermaine Ifedi has been praised by Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach. He had one horrible, just completely a missed assignment that like nearly took Justin Fields head off. I mean, Justin got sacked brutally. So when overall I look at this first team offensive line, I mean, they are, it's a red flag for me because they are, they have four returning starters. Okay. Everyone's returning from last season, except for Jason Peters, but they're still figuring out chemistry and how everyone's going to gel as a unit. And so the offensive line has only about 10 or 11 days to really get things figured out. And then you look at the other side of the football, the front seven was solid. I mean, the secondary, the bears only have like five cornerbacks on the roster right now, but they're certainly going to wait for the dust to settle before they go ahead and bring in a guy like a Austin bless or a Jimmy Moreland who were cut by New York, the New York jets, as well as the Washington football team. But yeah, the bears still have a lot of work to do and there's still a lot of things that need to settle themselves out before they kind of hop on the airplane on Saturday and fly to Los Angeles. Yeah. You talked about, you talk about that offensive line. They certainly looked like a unit that, you know, it was their first time playing together in a game setting unit that was trying to get their chemistry together and just trying to get everything worked out there. And like you said, Jermaine Fetty had that one brutal rep on the first drive of the game where um, he gave up that sack on that one-on-one move, uh, just completely whiffed on the punch there. Not good stuff for my Fetty. You know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, I look at this unit as a whole. You know, Peters, Jason Peters actually looks solid to me at the left tackle position. I think, you know, you're going to get out of him, out of him and Cody White here on the left side of the offensive line. But, man, it's tough because, I, you know, Throughout this preseason, we've gotten to see a lot of Sam Mustafer out there. I'm still not impressed with what he's bringing to the table. I, I know Castillo likes him quite a bit, and you know, the Bears have certainly handed him the job, and they feel confident in what he can bring to, to the table there. But I'm sorry. I, I just – to me, he's he's fine as a backup. I think he's a very good backup. And if he had to start for, for you in a pinch, he's great. You know, he's great as a spot starter backup type of guy. But as your full-time starter without competition, I'm not too sure about that. And there were certainly guys in the free agent market this offseason they could have brought in for competition, and they opted not to. So I, I kind of question that decision there. You know, he didn't impress me too much in, that, in this one. He had a couple of run plays where he got blown up pretty poorly in, the, in, in this game. Um, you know, James Daniels at right guard, I feel confident about what he can bring to the table. I think he'll be solid there. But Ifedi, I mean, you know, there are a lot of Bears fans going into this game, you know, we're 
making it known that, you know, they were confident in Ifedi and that they were, you know, whenever I brought up concerns about the offensive line, they were telling me, well, you just got to wait for Ifedi to get back at right tackle and Jason Pierce get there at left tackle. And once these guys get healthy, this offensive line will work itself out. Well, I think, you know, with Ifedi, Ifedi, you know, he played solid at the end of last year when he got in at right tackle. We have to keep in mind, he was going up against a very weak slate of defenses and a very weak slate of pass rushers to go up against. He wasn't going up against, you know, guys like this year. He's going to be going up against guys like Miles Garrett's going to be a matchup for him. TJ Watt's going to be a matchup for him. Uh, Shaq Barrett's going to be a matchup for him. And then you got, you know, Green Bay. Daniel Hunter's back for the Vikings. So, you know, he's going to be facing a lot of great pass rushers this year. And what do we know about Afedi? Well, he started at right tackle for the Seahawks for three years. So we have three years of evidence of him being a poor right tackle from his days in Seahawks. Whereas we only have about five games where I fed he played at a, a serviceable level at right tackle for the bears. So are we going to weigh the five games he played for the bears against weak competition over three years of evidence of him not being a good offensive tackle? Um, I don't know. So I think there's going to be somewhere in the middle for, for him this year. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be an average right tackle. I think that would be the best case scenario this year. He gives them average serviceable play on the right side there, but I don't know from the way he looks in this one, I know it's his first game action back from the hip injury. So take everything with a grain of salt. here. He's probably still getting in the shape and getting into the swing of things here, uh, but he did not look good out there. And I know they're after the game, we got a lot of, a lot of bears fans talking about, well, you know, maybe we should put Larry Borum out there. I'm going to shoot that down right away because Larry Borum, I'm sorry. Like I, I see the potential of Larry Borum. I think I, I'm excited about him as a fifth round pick. I think it'd be a very good swing tackle sooner rather than later, potentially um, in a year or so. And maybe he could be a starter down the road. But right now I am, I'm not confident in putting Larry Borum out there to start at either tackle spot right now. He does not look like a guy that's ready to go. And I, I mean, he's getting, he's beginning to get big been getting beat pretty badly at times by second and third stringers out here in this preseason game so I, again I, i'm excited about larry Bourne, but this year he needs to have a full-on redshirt year to get ready for next season basically because i do not want to see a scenario where he's out there so fetty is pretty much your best option at right tackle right there and that could be something that could hold this group back uh moving into the regular season and you know we saw it in this game they didn't get a lot of push up front in the run game they had that you know that one sequence where they had the third and fourth down where you could tell that Matt Nagy was deliberately calling, you know, basic run plays because he wanted to test out what this offensive line could do in those short uh, yardage situations. And they just couldn't get the job done. They missed assignments. There were communication issues. They couldn't get any push out there. So uh, it was a rough performance, I thought, for the most part. But, uh, you know, they did make up for it a little bit. I thought once they got to the swing of things a little bit, and then Justin Fields, you know, he makes that offensive line look better than what it is with his ability to move within the pocket and maneuver and escape and, um, do all the little things there. So um, that, that would be a positive if Justin Fields were starting. He's not, Andy Dalton's starting. It is what it is there. We don't have to get into that too much. But I, I do want to shift gears to the defensive side of the ball. Specifically, I want to mention uh, one player that stood out to me on that side uh, in this one, and really someone that's been standing out all offs, all preseason, and that's uh, Travis Gibson, an edge rusher. Travis Gibson, he had a really good game in this one. He had a pressure uh, that forced a pick six from Trey Roberson in this game. Uh, Travis Gibson, he looks really good. I, I don't know if you're noticing the same thing you say, but he had multiple, uh, I, I can remember multiple snaps in this one. He got pressure on the quarterback and he was getting into the backfield quickly. Um, he looks fast. He looks agile. He looks big. He looks strong. And, you know, fun fact, I mean, I don't know how much he, stock you could put into pro football focus and their grades, but 
they had him graded as their top pass rusher in terms of pass rushing grade during this preseason. And he had a large, large size of, of uh, snaps there to go off of there. So a large sample size. I know it's against backup tackles for the most part, but a lot of encouraging things that we're seeing from Travis Gibson and, uh, his, and his, what he can offer in terms of his tool set in the pass rush game. Yeah, and, you know, talking about Travis Gibson, I mean, he's just completely flashed a lot of times, especially in this Tennessee game. And I get some of it was against third, fourth string guys. But, hey, this is a prospect that I think everyone's forgetting last year was considered to be really raw, someone that had everything needed to be an effective pass rusher at a high level. It's just where he failed was being unable to put it all together. And then he did get some live action reps last year in the regular season and then kind of comes in this year, has noticeably looked just bigger and faster, which is just translated to him playing stronger as well and then just playing much faster too. So Travis Gibson is an interesting name to keep an eye on. And then just you can't only talk about 2021 because these sometimes these preseason games do give you it, some insight into what could happen 2022 two as well as beyond um you know when you look at this offensive tackle situation i mean jason peters isn't going to be here next year jermaine ifetti if he completely flounders i mean he's here on a one-year five million dollar deal and so that's going to be something where hey larry borum has had his fair share of ups and downs throughout this preseason but then also to be fair to larry i mean we have to keep in mind is that because of these injuries, his look, his evaluation would be a lot more different if he was only playing right guard and right tackle, two positions he's been used to playing. Because of these injuries, he was kind of forced into having to play left tackle on the fly and then just completely learn that position. But Larry Borum, I think, is one guy who a pretty decent or pretty bright future ahead of him if the Bears can develop him the right way. And then you shift over to the defensive side of the ball here. Let me just say add a couple things. I mean, some of the undrafted free agents throughout this preseason game, like a Charles Snowden, like a Sam Camaro, for example, a outside linebacker, as well as a defensive lineman. Those were two guys that really stuck out. Caleb Johnson, the linebacker from Houston Baptist, which is Johnson's the first ever NFL player to even go to or from Houston Baptist to go to the NFL. He had a couple of plays this preseason as well. So when you look at this whole thing, I mean, is it a perfect roster? Absolutely not. Is there spots on this roster that need improvement? 110%. We're not even going to deny that because no roster is perfect. But in the Bears case, I mean, they're banking a lot on vets, but also a lot of these younger guys, mainly second, third year players, and just completely breaking out and continuing to carry the load for the team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I think I think that's a good opportunity for us to transition to talk about this roster in more detail because you know, we, again, like we were, were recording this on a Wednesday here. Yesterday, the Bears uh, finally, I guess, finalized their 53-man roster. They had to cut down to 53 guys um, as, as is legislated by the NFL for, for this. They had to cut down the roster. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, it was not a finished product from what we saw yesterday, um, but there was a lot of movement today. Uh, so let's break this thing, thing down here in terms of what the 53-man roster looks like for the Bears and I mean, obviously, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, the quarterbacks, we knew that they were going to have to keep three quarterbacks because of the way that Nick Foles' contract is structured, unless they could find a trade partner, which they obviously didn't at this point. So you got Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and Nick Foles as your quarterbacks here. But I, I found it very interesting how many offensive linemen uh, that they kept on this roster. They kept 10 offensive linemen. Obviously, they had to eventually today put Kevin Jenkins on injured reserve. So his being on the roster originally was more of a formality more than anything because if they put him on injured reserve yesterday, he would have had to been shut down for the remainder of the season. That they, Now that they waited a day, uh, you know, he has a chance to return at some point this year. So uh, very interesting development there. But other than Tevin Jenkins, they have nine other offensive linemen on this roster. Obviously, you got Peters, Whitehair, uh, Mustafford, Daniels, Ifedi as your starters. But then they kept Wilkinson as your swing tackle. You got Alex Bars as your primary backup in the interior. And then you look at two backup tackles here. They kept Larry Borm, obviously, and Latavius Simmons. So five tackles on the roster here, uh, originally on the 53-man roster here for this Bears team. I thought that was interesting. And then they did some shuffling in the wide receiver room. When you look at uh, they originally had five wide receivers with Rodney Adams as the fifth wide receiver on the roster. And then they ended up making some changes here. So they ended up cutting Rodney Adams today. And the big sign, I guess not the big signing, but one interesting move that I found today was the signing of Brashard Perriman, uh, who was cut by the Detroit Lions. He was signed on a one-year deal for them this offseason, which, you know, is what it is. The Lions, they had one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL going into this offseason. He was supposed to be kind of a band-aid for them. They ended up just cutting him. I don't know what the situation is there, if, if he's underperforming there in, in Detroit. Regardless, uh, the Bears, they swoop him up right away. He's in here in Chicago. I would assume to be their fifth wide receiver on the depth chart here, which I found to be interesting. And then they ended up adding another wide receiver here. I'm trying to make sure I get the name right on this one. Yeah, it's Nisimba Webster. I think that's about as close as it gets. Yeah, so they signed, they signed him. They took him off waivers um, today. So uh Webster he's not going to really contribute much in the receiving game I don't think it sounds like they're bringing him strictly to contribute on special teams as a return man which they obviously need um he he has some experience as both a punt returner and kick returner in his career so we'll see what he offers to them there but I'm really intrigued by the Perriman signing because you know this continues a trend of what we see in this offseason the Bears adding a lot of speed to the wide receiver room and Perriman while he's had some struggles as a former first-round pick that kind of flamed out to the injuries and poor play in Baltimore, he's found a role in recent stops when we look at Tampa Bay and with the New York Jets last season as, if you know, not a guy that's going to be one of your primary options, but as a complimentary piece, he does offer some value as a deep threat and big-time playmaker uh, for big plays down the field with his speed, size, and just general playmaking ability. What were your thoughts on uh, 
the way they kind of developed that there for and way the way the offense broke down here and, and that Perriman signing in general. Yeah, I mean, so again, it's like you mentioned, I mean, we all know what the quarterbacks are going to be, and then just skip right over to the running backs. I mean, when you look at this running back room, we have to keep something in mind. Is Khalil Herbert served so much potential as a guy who could legitimately add a spark to this offense. So he was almost guaranteed a roster spot. Damian Williams is a veteran who's going into his eighth or ninth season. He's going to provide some really nice steps. I mean, again, despite being out of training camp, or I'm sorry, the NFL for about a year and a half at this point because of COVID, Damian's look really good. You can tell he's confident. And by the way, I know that I was on the Bear Report podcast talking about how I was kind of skeptical of the Damian Williams signing, but then once we actually got a chance to see him in camp, um, he looked really good. The reason I was skeptical is just because I'm like, hey, it's a running back. These guys usually flame out after like three to four years in the league. And plus you have to keep in mind is adding the fact that you have a running back in Williams that hasn't played in like almost a year because of COVID, switching right over the wide receiver room. I mean, we knew that the first four that were going to be guaranteed roster spots were going to be Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, and Demir Bird. Now, we know what Mooney and Robinson are. Hopefully, Mooney takes a major step forward this year and becomes just as consistent as Allen Robinson. And then we look at Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird. I mean, those are just two players that are... In terms of production-wise, you know, Goodwin's going to come in here and be wide receiver three, but ultimately, you know, him and Bird are just low-end wide receiver threes and fours. Nasimba Webster, again, just a guy that the Bears are bringing – the Bears are learning their lesson last year from the Tariq Cohen incident because they are not going to have a player back there that's a starter that should be returning kicks. I mean, teams do this all the time where they just sign an undrafted free agent or a late-round pick or even a veteran to go ahead and return kicks solely for the point of returning kicks. I mean, the Bears are doing that with Webster this year. Tight end was – kind of surprising to me because Jesper Horstead's a name that's been kind of on and off over the last three seasons, but then he has a big three touchdown game. Anytime you do that in a preseason game, I mean, it's the Bears, so they're going to put you on the roster, but then you have some solid receiving tight ends in Cole Komet and Jesse James. Uh, Jimmy Graham's nothing more than a red zone option at this point. He's not going to be on this roster. The only reason JP Holtz made it is because he's um, a really good blocking tight end and he is used as a fullback sometimes. Then you look at the offensive line. I mean, the interior of the offensive line is pretty good with James Daniels and Cody White here. Certainly, you hope that Sam Mustafer puts it all together and kind of can become the anchor that the Bears have been searching for. The tackles are, like you mentioned, absolutely atrocious. I mean, in what is a pass-happy league, having a great interior offensive line is cool and all, but you need to have great tackles because – the tackles are solely responsible for the pass game. And then, you know, looking at the defensive side of the ball here, I mean, we expected most of this defensive side of the ball to be what it was, you know, seven inside linebackers, um, four to five cornerbacks. Everyone's kind of, you know, ripping their hair out because of that. And like I've said, Bears fans just overanalyze and overreact to everything. I'm going to tell you guys right now that there's got to be a couple more moves on the way because there's no way this team is going to go into the season with seven middle linebackers and only five defensive backs. I mean, they're going to wait for the dust to settle, and then the Bears are going to go ahead and sign a couple players, especially at the cornerback position, to kind of beef that up because – Jalen Johnson's great and all. Kendall Vildor is a player that the franchise is high on, but there's no way they're going to just sit on their hands like most people kind of think they are. 
You'd certainly hope that they have a couple moves up their sleeve because I'm looking at this cornerback depth chart right now, and it is just brutal um, from what we're seeing out there. I mean, they didn't make any moves as of yet in terms of like going outside uh, the organization to pick anybody off the off the waiver wire or anything like that. But uh, you know, it was interesting because on you know yesterday when they originally announced the 53 man roster, like you said, they had seven linebackers on the roster, which is nuts for a three, four defense, you know, we're really, you'd only need like four or five. Um, I, I found it very interesting because, you know, obviously Roquan Smith and, and Dan Trevathan were going to be givens uh, given their status on the roster as a starters. Uh, Alec Ogletree certainly proved, um, you know, his merit in terms of earning a roster spot. He could honestly start for this team. I, I feel like um, alongside Roquan Smith, if he continues to play like he has in preseason in the way he played in preseason and training camp and, and translate that to the regular season. And then Christian Jones was the guy they brought in, you know, Christian Jones is going to be very interesting because he's kind of going to be used as like a, a linebacker edge hybrid. They only kept four true edges. And that's Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, uh, Jeremiah Atuachu and Travis Gibson. So Christian Jones is kind of like that linebacker edge, do it all type of linebacker right there. So a uh, very interesting spot for him on this, on this roster and then they kept Iggy, they kept Josh Woods, and they kept Kayla Johnson on the 53-man roster. So I found that very interesting. And then the four quarterbacks they kept, obviously, obviously Jalen Johnson, and then Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, and Xavier Crawford, uh, who hasn't looked too impressive, in my opinion, during preseason. So that was very odd. And then we kind of find out today that Dane Trevathan is going to be going on the injured reserve for the first three weeks of the season. So he's going to miss for essentially the first three games of the season because I guess he's dealing with some kind of knee injury issue which is weird because he he was out there and playing in the Tennessee Titans preseason game and he had an interception in that one he started that one he looked fine to me physically in that game but I'm not sure if something just flared up after the game you know Danny Trevathan he's, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the past couple of years and you wonder you know he, his play has dropped as well over the last couple of years so you're wondering if you know it's just it's nearing the end for him at this stage of his career where his body is just filling him at this point uh, because for him to go on injured reserve right away here is definitely concerning, but that's probably the reason why they kept so many linebackers. And then we ended up seeing today that they ended up getting a couple more cornerbacks on this roster. They got Marquis Christian uh, back here as like a safety cornerback slot hybrid, and then they got Artie Burns back on the roster. So it turns out your cornerback room right now is going to be the four that I mentioned, but then Marquis Christian and Artie Burns are back here. So I found that to be very odd, but yeah, I, I'm very concerned about this cornerback room. I really hope that uh, they go out there and they're aggressive and finding some outside help here because, you know, Kim Vildor, I guess, is, is if they have to start him to start the year, I, I guess I'm okay with that. I don't love it. I would prefer if he was like their number four corner uh, where he can come in the slot or on the outside, but they definitely need a nickel, I, I think, because I'm just not a fan of Duke Shelley in the nickel there. And I, I would like to see them be aggressive here because – that's going to be a huge question mark for this team. And I'm not really liking the answer that we're going to be getting with in terms of how they're going to be performing as a unit here going forward. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Yeah, I mean, this cornerback room is arguably the worst positional group on the roster. And then, you know, you talked about Danny Trevathan. I mean, I think people tend to forget that Danny Trevathan is going into his sixth season here in Chicago because he signed in 2021. And since then, he's really only played two full seasons. So he is an injury-prone middle linebacker that's eating up about eight or nine million dollars of cap space and certainly the bears will need to figure out what to do because when you look at this roster right now i mean especially at that middle linebacker position yeah roquan smith is great and all but in this three four system i mean they don't have a young up-and-coming linebacker that can just easily step in there's no guy like Nick Wachowski I mean you can't really argue a guy like Alec Ogletree who's like 30 31 years old you can't argue a guy like Joel Iabuniwe because if Iabuniwe was ready to push and show that hey I can legitimately push for a starting job well then he would have been the starter right now odds are and the Bears kind of would have moved on from Trevathan after the 2019 season and then just looking at this entire um front four here the defensive line I mean yeah it's a good defensive line Mario Edwards is kind of suspended for the first two weeks of the season I think that's for substance abuse policy but hey is are we ready to see the Eddie Goldman of old or what kind of Eddie Goldman are we going to see and then Akeem Hicks is obviously getting older you have to wonder his play has kind of taken this step too. Some people are like, oh, well, it's, it was just the elbow injury and the lack of the offseason that hampered him. But, hey, Akeem Hicks is a fan favorite and all, but he's going into contract year, and he might not be back because when we do kind of look ahead to 2022 here, we have to realize that the Bears have a lot of guys that they're going to need to re-sign. I mean, the wide receiver position is an example that none of the wide receivers besides Darnell Mooney are even under contract for 2022. And then you look at it overall. I mean, it's just going to be plus what I mean, Daz Newsom's a guy that really didn't get an opportunity to showcase what he was fully able to do because of the collarbone injury. Thomas Graham Jr. Okay. A lot was one of the better cornerbacks in the Pac-12 throughout his college career, but he's going to be a guy that they're going to develop. I mean, John Vey and Johnson for sure I thought was going to make the roster, but is on the practice squad because he apparently didn't show enough, which if you look in some of the games that he played and the practices, I mean, it was apparent when me and you were at Hallis Hall for training camp that John Vey and Johnson had a string of really good practices together. And so – you know, overall, when you just look at this entire roster, I mean, it just needs, is there a perfect blend of vets and young talent? Yeah. But then there's so much development of these young players that needs to be done that 2021 is going to kind of be just a year of development. And since it's going to be a year of development, you know what? There shouldn't be a guy that's been in this league for like 10, 11 years starting at quarterback. It should just be a young first-year rookie. And I'm not even going to mention names because you guys know who I'm talking about. But if you're going to spend 2021 on development, then you know what? You might as well throw the quarterback in there. Well, it's weird. It feels like this roster is in between, you know, wanting to commit to winning now and, and kind of pushing to go, I wouldn't say with an all-in approach, but with a aggressive approach to try and win this year. But it's not – it's not like they're in a position either where they're, you know, they're, they're having young guys play in multiple different positions and they're getting rid of veterans that um, aren't going to be here in a couple of years and be long pieces uh, for them. You know, like for instance, I mean, in the front seven, for sure, like they are definitely 
putting a lot of their chips on the table that their front seven is going to be carrying that defense to a high level of play and to be carrying them to victories this season because they have a lot of veterans. They have a lot of money soaked up into that group. They have a lot of resources in general uh, tied up in that front seven. And then you pose that with the quarterback room and it's all young guys. And they're basically going with the youth movement in the back seven or in the back in the secondary back there. And it just, it makes no sense with the way like either like go all in on a youth movement and, you know, cut guys like Akeem Hicks and cut guys like Jimmy Graham, save that cap space, roll over into next year because I'm sorry, Bears fans, but the, the cap that space that the Bears are slated to have in 2022 is misleading when you look at all the needs that they have on the roster going to the year because they have to replace pretty much their entire wide receiver room besides Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is the only wide receiver uh, listed on the roster for 2022. He, he's literally the only one rostered right now. So you have to re-sign Al Robinson or at least get a replacement for him, plus depth, plus hopefully some upgrades in that room there. Um, the offensive line, the entire right side of the offensive line needs to be replaced. They need to get depth there. They need to get starting cornerback health. They need to get you know depth on this defense. Like They need to get a lot of pieces here, and they just don't have it right now. So that cap space is going to be used up pretty quickly. Uh, and then they got some key guys to resign as, resign as well. We talked about Allen Robinson, but Bilal Nichols, uh, Keem Hicks is going to be a free agent. You got to replace him in some way. I, mean, I would assume Bilal Nichols would be the choice there, but you know, James Daniels is a free agent. Like there are a ton of question marks with this roster, not only this year, but going into the future that, you know, you hope that they'll be able to find ways to reset here, but you're right. It would have made more sense to go with more of a developmental approach, get rid of some of these veterans here, Go with a guy like Justin Fields at quarterback and just see what the young guys have and build your roster moving forward and the forward-thinking mindset of, hey, we got to make sure that we're identifying guys that can be key contributors for us going into the future because this year isn't going to matter for us regardless if we keep all of our guys or not. Like, we're not – this roster is not ready to contend or compete for a championship right away here. I don't care if it's Andy Dolan at quarterback. I don't care if it's Justin Fields at quarterback. Like, they need help in a lot of places. There are a lot of holes on this roster. And unfortunately, they don't have the cap space to be able to make that work. I think they've under, they literally have under $1 million in cap space right now. They have no flexibility here um, to go out there and upgrade other than, you know, a vet minimum type of guy. Um, they're bringing on the roster here. So they're in a tough spot um, as of right now. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. Uh, there's definitely, I think, going to be some more movement. Uh, at the bottom of this roster as they kind of churn through the bottom of the roster here as we get going here into into uh, the week in, prepar- in preparation for week one. But, you know, it'll be, interesting. it'll be interesting, you know, for you personally, what kind of, you know, who, who's the one player you're looking at here in terms of, you know, someone that they could add here to this team that um, <clears throat> I know, I know we went past the waiver wire, but who's a free agent that you're kind of looking at where, you think they could be an upgrade to what they have currently on the roster here and really help out this group as a whole. Yeah. So I know I kind of praised the interior offensive line earlier, but Matt Sucro <laughs> was actually cut by the Miami dolphins and he's a player that's been in the league since 2016. So he's going into year six. He started in 51 games played in 54 games total. And so I think just to have that, solid presence that solid veteran presence at center would certainly go ahead and help continue to stabilize this line especially if a guy like a Sam Mustafer struggles and you know I hate playing hypotheticals sometimes but sometimes in the NFL you do have to play hypotheticals I mean maybe the Bears bring in a guy like Sucra and then 
ask Sam Mustafer to switch over to like a guard position or something and then have Cody Whitehair kick out to one of these tackle positions because at this point, this team has tried pretty much everything and it hasn't worked. So that just means you need a new approach when it comes to this offensive line. And by the way, you're going to have to reshuffle the offensive line a couple of times throughout the season, because especially when Andy Dalton is starting. And the reason I say that is because Andy Dalton has always performed his best when there's been a pretty solid offensive line in front of him. We'll get Dallas last year. I mean, Dallas, I think people forget is a offensive line that did have a couple pro bowlers like a Zach Martin, like a Tyron Smith. And then as soon as those guys were injured or they went ahead and retired, you know, that Dallas front five just completely fell off. And we saw Andy Dalton struggle tremendously. So, you know, any quarterback can look good, especially when there is a rock solid offensive line in front of him. So I think Matt Sucre is a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, Matt Scora could be an interesting option if they wanted to go add, you know, some center competition for Sam Mustaver. I'll throw my hand in the ring for Austin Ryder. You know, he's been my guy this entire offseason. I have no idea why he has been signed on a roster. He's a start, starting center for the Kansas City Chiefs last year, literally one of the best pass-blocking centers in the NFL last year. And for some reason, like, no NFL team is interested in bringing him out for some reason. I, I just don't <clears> – <throat> I personally don't understand it. Um, I would like to, you know, see him bring brought in. He has that connection – playing in the Kansas city offense where he's not going to be out of place. And, you know, he's going to know what he's doing. He's going to be able to pick up the playbook quickly here. So I like to see that um, to just get some more depth on this offensive line. But in terms of a move, um, you know, in the secondary that I want to see, I like to see him go after a veteran like Mikel Roby Coleman uh, in the slot. You know, he's been a solid slot cornerback in this league. He was very good with the Rams a couple of years ago. He kind of fell off last year, at the Philadelphia Eagles, and he got cut by the Lions uh recently here never got really a shot there i'm not sure whether that's just a problem with where you know he's getting up there a little bit in age so maybe he's starting to fall off physically and he just doesn't have that ability anymore but i i have a feeling because he was playing really good ball as early as 2019 like he was playing really good um you know in that time period there why not bring him in and see what he has to compete with duke shelley in the slot there um, going in the week one because he's he's sure as hell better than Xavier Crawford. I don't know why Crawford um, is getting any run on this roster right now. He hasn't proven anything to me that shows that uh, he should belong on the 53-man roster. So I'd like to see maybe a guy like Roby Coleman who does have a little bit of uh, experience and does have some pedigree in this league as a guy who has been a quality slot corner in the past. I'd like to see him go make a move there. I, I think that would benefit their cornerback room immensely. Uh, last thing here for this one, you say before we move on to the final topic um, and talk about some college football to end this thing here. Uh, what was your biggest surprise in terms of, uh, you know, one roster move that you did not expect to see? And then who's one practice squad guy that you're looking forward to seeing develop for this Bears team and to keep an eye on going into the future? Yeah, so mine, both of those questions actually go hand in hand with the same prospect. Now, it was a bit surprised that the Bears went ahead and cut Charles Snowden and the reason I say Charles Snowden is because he is somebody that had a pretty solid preseason I mean a couple tackles for a loss a couple sacks too and then when you just look at Ryan Pace's philosophy of team building over the last couple seasons I mean he's always made it a point of emphasis to continuously stock the edge rusher room and just have someone that's going to continue to get after the quarterback and so the fact that you have so much uncertainty with Robert Quinn who, by the way, in 2020 wasn't just hampered by injuries. It was also because the Bears didn't use his skill set to the right means. I mean, 
anytime you try and turn a 4-3 defensive end into a 3-4 stand-up pass rusher, it's going to be a disaster most of the time. But then you have Jeremiah Tachio and you have Travis Gibson with the versatility and the coverage ability that a guy like Charles Snowden brings kind of, he has some good bend. I mean, he does need to bulk up here so he can convert more speed to power. He was kind of a surprising name, but I'm also really excited to see him develop moving forward because we have seen in this league, all you need really sometimes is just a year on the practice squad before, you know, you jump in year two and then you're guaranteed a spot. You get a spot on the 53 man roster. And then after that, what happens is you just begin this like quick upward trajectory where by year three or four, you're a multi or you're a guy that's just a regular starter and a part of the regular pass rushing rotation. So Charles Stone, keep an eye on him. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, Charles Snow is definitely someone that I'm really intrigued by. I think he could benefit from a year um, on the practice squad, just, you know, getting physically getting his body ready for a full-time role as a three, four outside linebacker, working on his pass rush moves a little bit, because we know that, you know, he does have good ability in run defense and in coverage, but can he put it together as a pass rusher? I think that's what the bears want to see from him here. Um, in terms of some surprising moves for me, I was really surprised. Obviously the linebacker situation completely just like fuddles me. Like, I don't understand um, what their strategy is at the linebacker. I, I know they view Iggy and Josh Woods as core special teamers, but I believe that Kel Johnson is still on the roster technically, although he might have been cut and put on the practice squad um, as recently as today. Um, but I'm just, that's one surprising move for me. I'm surprised that Latavius Simmons made the roster um, and that they kept nine offensive linemen. That kind of signals to me that, you know, Latavius Simmons is a second year player. Maybe they want to give Larry Borm some more time um, for putting him out there in case of an injury. And Latavius Simmons, a guy that can play right tackle for you. Um, maybe he can be someone that can be some a little bit of a buffer so they don't have to force Larry Borm onto the field until he's ready to go. Um, that was kind of surprising to me as well. And in terms of some guys to look forward to the, on the practice squad, um, you know, obviously the six-round picks from the Bears this year, Daz Newsom and Thomas Graham Jr., both those guys did not make the team, but they're both on the practice squad. You know, Daz Newsom didn't really get much of a chance because he was dealing with a collarbone injury for most of training camps. So, um, I, I think, you know, getting him on the practice squad, seeing what he can do and develop there, and then get in the training camp next year and then see if he can take a step forward. I think that would be very beneficial uh, for uh, not only Newsom, for the Bears, just to see what they have in him, you know, as well as Graham, because, you know, Graham opted out last year. So there might be, he still needs to knock off some rust for him to get back to his true self uh, where he was at Oregon. But one player I want to watch out here is an undrafted guy, undrafted rookie, Sam Kamara. Um, out of, I think he went to Stony Brook College, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he was a guy who was a defensive lineman in college, and they're kind of trying to transition him into an edge rusher. So he's kind of like the opposite of what they did with Roy Robertson Harris, where he was an edge rusher coming out of college. And then they transitioned him. Um, it took a couple of years with him, uh, transitioned his body, changed his body a little bit, and made him a defensive lineman, a 3-4 interior defensive lineman. And it seems like they're trying to do the same thing with Camara. It's like this versatile edge defensive end hybrid uh, where I think he may need a year or two to kind of get his body into a edge 
body because right now he's got that thicker uh, build right now, more like a 3-4 defensive end. But he really popped to me in the preseason. Him and Travis Gibson were getting after the quarterback a lot in that Tennessee Titans game. And I'm really intrigued to see um, what he can bring moving forward. What were your thoughts on Sam Kamara's preseason? And, and do you think he has a chance here um, to kind of develop into something moving forward? Yeah, so Sam, I thought, had a really interesting preseason because it was apparent that when the third and fourth stringers came out in that first game against the Dolphins, I mean, he seemingly seemed to be in on nearly every single play. And so that just bodes really well because you mentioned Sam's kind of skill set and what he's able to do. Another thing we have to keep in mind is he has a really high motor that just is always seemingly on. And he's always getting after the quarterback or even just getting near the quarterback and the ball carrier. And I think there were actually a couple of times throughout the preseason where he may have not made the play or the tackle, but he certainly did something to allow someone to make the play or the tackle, which those are the types of impacts that nobody even talks about in games that, um, you know, can be major difference makers. Now, when you look at Sam, I mean, he's about six foot two, 240 pounds. So, he is going to need to go ahead and add some, uh, or I'm sorry, he's about 270 pounds. So does he have what it takes to play edge rusher? Certainly. But it's like you mentioned, I mean, it's going to take time for him to transition his body from defensive line to kind of a prototypical stand-up pass rusher. And then also he is going to have to learn essentially just a whole new arsenal of moves and kind of new technique. And so there's, those are the two really big kind of learning curves that Sam Kamara is going to have to overcome. But if he can't make that transition effectively, then you know what? The bears still might've just gotten someone that can be a really solid defensive lineman. Yeah. Defensive line and edge group and edge depth. I mean, it's just really good for the bears right now. I'm confident that even if they have some injuries this season, that they'll have guys out to practice a lot that can come in and, and find ways to contribute off the bench and, and give them a little something um, to where they're not losing too much. I mean, obviously they got guys like Akeem Hanks and Eddie Goldman that are going to raise the level of this play of this unit, but they have that level of depth in their practice squad. You have to feel very good about it if you're the Bears. All right, so let's transition, you said, to the last topic here and talk about some college football. We talked a lot about a lot of Bears over the last couple of weeks here with the preseason going on, the regular season kicking off. We haven't really talked a lot of college football outside of a couple of interviews that we've done uh, over the past couple of months, kind of breaking down some teams here. Uh, but we're getting to the first official week of college football. It's very exciting. You know, how excited are you to get some college football back here and start evaluating some of these prospects once again? Yeah, I'm certainly excited. I think the big thing to understand this year is that we are going to have full stadiums for the most part even though there is a mass COVID outbreak happening in some parts of the country, but then just having full seasons, having a player, having a handful of players back that may have opted out last year, it's going to make the 2022 draft process and evaluation so much easier. And then just this opening week, I mean, you have some really intriguing games because Michigan state, I believe is playing Northwestern. Then you have Illinois who started off the Brett Bielema era with a major win over Scott Foster and the Nebraska Cornhuskers was Illinois is going to be hosting the university of Texas, San Antonio this week. And then, you know, Georgia's playing Clemson and then Monday night, actually, I believe you have, um, 
Louisville playing Mississippi, but then you also have Notre Dame playing Florida State. So there's a lot of really intriguing matchups this first week of the season and then a lot of great prospects as well. And then just real quickly here, I mean, with the 2022 NFL draft, I mean, it's going to be the first time since 2019 or 2020 that we're going to have a blue chip edge rusher prospect. And then also it's a really intriguing crop of quarterbacks with summer scouting that I've done. I mean, everyone's talking about Sam Howell from UNC and Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Well, keep an eye on guys like Carson Trunk from Nevada, um, Malik Willis from Liberty, Matt Core from Old Miss, Kedvin Slovis from USC. So there's not really, it's going to be one of the more intriguing processes that we've seen in a while. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we have some great matchups, I think, in this one for week one as well, that it's going to be really fun to see. Obviously, I think the most hyped matchup in terms of the highest ranked team going, going against each other uh, is number three, Clemson, going, in, going up against number five, uh, Georgia. You know, Clemson is going to be interesting because this is their first uh, season after three years of having Trevor Lawrence in the program. You know, this is their first time having Trevor Lawrence not there in a while there. So how is Clemson going to be in the post-Trevor Lawrence era, whereas you have uh, Georgia here getting their first uh, full season with their quarterback here in not Jaden Daniels, but I, his name is escaping me here. The quarterback for Georgia, he took over last year. Um, he had a really good year for them. And then, you know, that's going to be one game that's going to be very interesting for me. Maybe you can help me with that name there. For some reason, it just, I'm just losing it for some reason today. But another interesting game for this, for this weekend is going to be, I think, Alabama versus Miami. Alabama ranked number one once again. And, you know, kind of similar to Clemson. Alabama, they lost a lot of talent uh, to the draft. I mean, look at you know, all the guys that they lost here, uh, losing Mac Jones, losing Alex Leatherwood, uh, losing Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, all those guys on the offensive side of the ball. How does offense, you know, recover from that and replace those guys? Those are a couple of the matchups that I'm looking at here. You say those are kind of some of the big games, obviously. You know, what matchups and games and, and prospects are you looking at here uh, for week one and, you know, some of the things that you're going to be tuning in for? Yeah, so I know LSU is playing UCLA. That's going to be certainly an interesting game to watch. And the reason I cite LSU is because the trio of wide receivers that carried, well, helped LSU win the national championship about two years ago and Terrace Marshall Jr., Jamar Chase, as well as Justin Jefferson. I mean, they're all in the NFL now. So that's going to be an intriguing name to watch. Hey, I think Indiana is actually playing, um, I believe it's, Iowa. So Indiana had one of the best ranked defenses in the NFL or not in the NFL. I'm sorry, in college football last year. So Indiana, Iowa is going to be an intriguing matchup. Um, And then getting into some of the later games here, what's going to be interesting about that Georgia Clemson game is that Georgia has a couple of really intriguing wide receivers. George Pickens is one of them. And then on the other side, on the defensive side of the ball, you have Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback from Clemson. He's considered by a lot of people to be kind of one of the consensus top cornerbacks in the league or in um, college football. You have Derrick Singley Jr. from LSU, another top corner. And then Ohio State, I believe, is playing as well. They're actually playing on Thursday night so cj stroud's getting the start there they're kind of beginning a new era with justin fields now with the bears and then also you have garrett wilson chris olave for ohio state i mean two wide receivers with very early first round grades on them and then you have seven banks a cornerback that a lot of people believe 
is going to be a first round pick. So there's a lot of really good prospects just to keep an eye on, especially during this opening week. Yeah. And by the way, speak, uh, certainly back to that Georgia game. I did <laughs> finally got the quarterback, quarterback name finally got to me. JT Daniels, not Jaden Daniels. Uh, just, JT Daniels. I'm excited, excited to see what he does for Georgia uh, in his first year as, as a starter there for Georgia. So We'll see what goes on there. Um, but yeah, like you said, Ohio State, you know, they're going to be replacing obviously Justin Fields at quarterback. But like you said, those wide receivers and what they get out of those two right there, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, that's going to be very interesting because both those guys certainly could be first round talents, I think, uh, going into this next draft. And, you know, I don't know if, if not having a quarterback like Justin Fields there will hurt their stock at all if they have some struggles this year in terms of not getting the same type of production. Uh, but certainly those two have a lot of upside. I'll mention one more game here, and that's Wisconsin going up against Penn State. I want to see how uh, Graham Mertz does in his second year as a start for Wisconsin because he has been one of the more, I wouldn't say hyped up, but certainly one of the more, I was actually, I would say more hyped up quarterbacks to come to Wisconsin since Russell Wilson, you know, a four star recruit according to 24 7 sports here. And, you know, he showed some flashes. Uh, and his first year started last season, but you know he had a lot of inconsistencies. He has some struggles at times. How does he do in year two? Um, can he translate to being an NFL caliber quarterback prospect going forward? So I'm interested, you know, to see his development there and what the case is here with uh, what he's capable of bringing to the next level. All right, so I think it's going to wrap it up for us here uh, for this episode of the Picks for Picks, Picks for Pace podcast. I want to thank all of our uh, listeners for tuning in on all podcasting channels for us. Uh, make sure to follow us and give us a like on Twitter uh, and follow us on Twitter at Pace for Pace. Uh, you know, we, we get put up, post a lot of updates and, uh, you know, content out there on Twitter that you can guys, you guys can go follow and uh, keep track of us and what we're doing here at the podcast. You said work on our listeners, find your work and follow you on Twitter. Yeah, guys, so you can find my work on The Bear Report. Follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosho. And like Andrew mentioned, I mean, follow Picks for Pace. I'm going to be live tweeting a lot in the evening this year for the college football games, just kind of doing some, like, really quick tweets, just breaking down prospects, plays. So certainly, guys, turn your tweet notifications on because it's going to be a fun season. Absolutely. I mean, this time of the year is really the best college football starting uh, pro football starting this is really where the fun begins for us here and like you said said make sure you follow us on pace for pace we're, we're gonna be getting a lot of updates on there in terms of how some of these prospects are doing week one of the college football season in terms of where you can find me and my work you can follow me on twitter at aj freeman 25 make sure to find my work at the bear report more specifically make sure to find my work at the bear report youtube channel subscribe there because uh you know currently doing a lot of stuff for the bear report youtube channel as we get into this season here uh, make sure to check out my latest film breakdown of uh, the preseason game against the Tennessee Titans. Going to be doing that for every single game this year as we head into the regular season for the Bears, recapping some of the key plays from every single game. So if you're looking for some film breakdowns, some, you know, break down some scheme, players, and just some general things from each game, make sure to go check that out. And once again, subscribe on the Bear Report YouTube channel where you can find some of my video work there. So once again, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, certainly a very exciting weekend coming up. So once again, thank you for tuning in. Bear down, Bears fans, and have a great and safe weekend.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com